be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his apostles, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever receives a righteous man because he is righteous will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink because the little one is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As I said at the beginning of Mass, a difficult part of the gospel, and not as difficult as the other iteration of this in one of the other gospels, right? Here, Jesus says, whoever loves son or daughter or, or father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And another part, he says, unless you hate your mother and father, right? Unless you hate your son or daughter, I think he adds mother-in-law too in the other one, <laughs> which is like always funny and preachers always use that. But this is obviously, it's, he doesn't mean you should hate them. He's using hyperbole or that they are bad, right? Whoever loves them, it's whoever loves them more than me. Right? Jesus is saying, I am number one above not only the bad things, we get the bad things are not above God. But sometimes we put even good things above God, people even, and they become idols, right? Idols, what's an idol? It's something that we worship that isn't God. And back in the day, there were statues. But what are they now? I wanna focus on one part of the gospel we heard today. It's whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Our children can very much be our idols. I've seen it as a chaplain in a high school and I taught high school for for a year. I was a football coach and I do youth ministry very often and I've seen it. Instead of the good of a family being central or children being taught that they're not the center of the universe. They are catered to and told that they're never wrong or that it's the teacher's fault or it's the coach's fault. That's why you're not playing shortstop. It's not because you stink at baseball. It's because it's the coach's fault. I've personally seen and even sat in on meetings where parents make excuses for their children to the point of maligning their teachers or uh, legitimate authorities. I believe this is a type of idolatry and it hurts the family, it hurts our schools, and it hurts our children. We think by coddling our children that, that we're doing something good for them, but in fact, we're 
making them idols. And therefore, as scripture says in the Psalms about idols, it says, they have ears, but they do not hear. They have eyes, but they do not see. And obviously David there was talking about the statues, right, of the pagan gods. They, they have eyes, but they don't see because they're not real. But this is true of our children that we make idols too. We make them stone to where they grow up and they don't see the truth about who they are and what they do and how their sins affect themselves and other people because they've been made, excuses have been made for them. We limit them. We actually hurt them by making them idols. It's not charitable to train our son or daughter to believe that they're the most important and central person in the world. In fact, the opposite is true. True virtue is saying other people are more important than me. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, not blessed are the ones who think they're right all the time. John Chrysostom, who lived, he's a patriarch of Constantinople, lived in the 400s. And, and I love looking at his, his writings because it always reminds me that humanity has always been the same. It might look slightly different from one age to another, but we've always been the same. And he, he could have been talking to my parents at St. Thomas Aquinas. He says this, we are so concerned with our children's schooling. If only we were equally zealous in bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then we wonder why we reap such bitter fruit when we have raised our children to be insolent, licentious, impious, and vulgar. Ever been to a high school dance lately? I'm not, even, I'm not gonna even sing the songs. I'm not, we're just moving on. <laughs> we wonder why we get the, the bad fruit. Why do you refuse? He's talking to parents. Why do you refuse to imitate the holy men and women of old? Tell me, especially you mothers. Think of Hannah's example. Look at what she did. She brought Samuel, her only son, to the temple when he was only an infant. Who among you would not rather have a son like Samuel than one who became king of the whole world 10,000 times over? But is it impossible, you say? For my son ever to become as great as he, as great as Samuel? Is it impossible? It is not. Because you do not really want it is why it's impossible. You will not entrust him over to the one who is able to make him great. And who is that? It's God. We care about the school and the grades and the A's and the, and the starting lineups and all these things. And John Christian's like, hey, care about virtue. It doesn't matter if they're rich when they grow up and they get a good scholarship somewhere, if they're a jerk. You know what I'm saying? And that's making idols of our children now. But we can actually also make idols of our children we don't currently have or our potential children's. More specifically, we can make idols out of our desire for children. And obviously I'm saying our, I mean like in general, our culture. I want to be clear. The desire for children is very good and it's beautiful. We see in today's first reading just one example of the woman who, is, who struggled with infertility. One example in Scripture. The Scripture is full of these examples, starting from Sarah and Abraham, struggled with infertility, 
right? And Isaac is the, the, the fulfillment of that promise that God gave and up until all the way till Elizabeth and Zechariah, right? She's, she struggles with infertility. It's a, it's a part of the human experience. And while we've come so far in technology and scientific understanding, we still struggle with this reality. And so a desire for children is good. Many couples have problems conceiving. It's a cross and it's real. And the church wants to stand with you. But we must approach it through the lens of the gospel and not compromise our morals in the process. Simply put, there are moral ways and often most effective ways of addressing infertility. And then there are immoral ways. There's a story um, I tell often about this point. A couple years ago, I was shopping, right? And you get to the checkout line of the grocery store, and what do you got there, right? They're selling you gum. They're selling you Mountain Dew. And they're selling you the tabloids, okay? And I try to just look ahead because there's some weird stuff in there. But I, something stood out to me one day, and I, and I saw it, and it was Khloe Kardashian, she was married to Lamar Odom at the time, and they were struggling with infertility. And the, and the headline said, I would do anything for a child. I thought to myself, that's intense. It's an intense statement. I'd do anything for a child. So in order to research, I bought the magazine, okay? And I went up to the counter with my clerics on, you know. I got a tabloid, got some gum, got my groceries, and they're like, huh, you're buying People magazine? I'm like, okay, it's research. I read it because I wanted to know what was, what was at the heart. And, and, and there was a great desire for children. That's natural. That's good. Chloe, yeah, I'm not judging Chloe and her decisions. Maybe no one told her any different. She talked about her infertility and her, their trials. And then she talked about the IVF process, right? In vitro fertilization process. And it struck me, look, it's not just something Chloe deals with. It's all in our society and in our families and you yourself or, or maybe definitely a family member or either close or distant, your own children, your own grandchildren. And this is something we deal with in society. And Chloe said she would do anything no matter what. And that can't be the Christian stance. There are some things we ought not do and cannot do, even in response to a great, beautiful desire. Here's the simple truth. IVF and vitro fertilization and other similar methods are not in line with a Catholic moral life and any participation in it is gravely evil. That's the one sentence, okay? But let me break that down. Number one, as I've already said, the desire for children is not evil. Someone desires children, that's not evil. That's good. Even children that may be the result of IVF are good and beautiful and in a mysterious way willed by God. That's what the church teaches, right? All of our children are good, no matter how they came to us. But the IVF action is what was wrong. It separates, this is number two, it separates the procreative and unitive ends of sexuality, inserting a third party in the procreative act, right? The doctors, nurses, they're, they're inserted into this act of procreation, Number three, it treats children as something to be made or manufactured instead of a gift to be received, right? A gift, a result of an act of love, a living out of the marital vow. 
four, it involves the creating of human embryos and their subsequent freezing. And I, I want to clarify that. What does that mean? Well, right now, the process of in vitro fertilization, there's, there's multiple embryos that are created. Now, an embryo, no matter what the culture and society wants to say, all the, the different euphemisms we can have for you know fetuses and embryos, a fertilized egg after fertilization is a human being. We are pro-life. We are pro-science too. And science tells us that is a human being. Even if it's at the smallest, most beginning stages of development, it's a human being. And the process of in vitro fertilization and everything along with it has us freezing them for an indefinite time. And maybe we don't want any more kids or we want more kids and we don't. And so now they're, they're frozen. Like that's, a, that's a moral problem. And five, it opens up society to the commodification of human beings and, and possible eugenic practices, right? Those, those are like uh, genetic modifications or, or selection based on um, genetic traits, right? I want a, I want a son that's, that's 6'2", can get, get me some money and get in the NFL, right? I want a daughter with blonde hair. I don't want a daughter at all. I want a son. So I choose those embryos that are male, right? That's bad. It's called eugenics. And that, and IVS opens the door to that. It's a very slippery slope. Those are the reasons, and not all of them, but those are the reasons why the church's teaching is what it is. And all these reasons are good. And though I can't explain them fully, I'm open to meet, right? I mean, this is a homily. It's 12 minutes, you can't talk back, you can't ask questions. So if you have questions about the church's teaching, I want you to email me. We can sit down, have coffee, and talk, talk through it. My email's in the, in the bulletin. The bottom line is this, that IVF and future fertilization is a moral evil and ought not be chosen as a way of addressing infertility. But God's mercy is abundant and always available. Right? Confession, conversion, new understanding, it's always there. There's also natural and effective ways of addressing infertility. One of the most effective being the Creighton Model Fertility Care System. Right? If, if you yourself or, or a daughter or grandkids or whatever, whoever you have in your life that's dealing with this, because it's out there and the church wants to be with them and wants to be with you. Again, you can talk to me, but the where I would direct them is the Creighton Model Fertility Care System and NAPRO technology, natural procreative technology based on the Creighton Model Fertility Care System. I can't go into it now. It's awesome. We must trust. We must trust that God loves us and that bowing down to any idol that the world offers us will in the end not make us happy, right? No worship of an idol will make us happy. Only faithfulness will make us happy. And it's so tempting to worship the idol. You know, it came to mind, I was preparing this homily, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? The Babylonians are trying to get them to worship. Just, just bow down just once to the idol and you won't have to go in the oven. There's the three guys, remember Veggie Tales? Went in the oven, okay. Just bow down a little bit to the idol and you won't have to go in. They said, no, I will not, even though it's scary, and even though we're about to be thrown into an oven, we will not worship an idol. And the idols look different nowadays, but the question is, will you? 
or will you trust? You say, the Lord's going to be with me. And guess what? When they were thrown in, their clothes are burned up, the ropes are burned up, and they weren't. And who was with them? A fourth person. They looked in. There was a fourth person in there. It's God himself. God will be with you in your struggles, particularly in fertility. God will be with your family members, your loved ones. But you've got to trust him and trust the church. He wants you to be happy. Choose virtue.